Right then, I'm back with the final Look at Beat Show, Summer Best Of. This show began a couple of years ago as a something to do while the Football Ramble wasn't doing its thing. Turned out, I think I think we did the Football Ramble most of the way through the summer anyway, so it wasn't really that much of a holiday. But either way, uh, I'm, I'm back with a little Best Of, and I've got called pretty much right throughout all of these clips, so apologies. Um, I would like to say hello to um, Cameron from Washington, D.C., who got in touch. Uh, I said I'd be reading out a couple of emails uh, just uh, to keep, you know, a little bit of the freshness coming in. If you want to get in touch the show, as always, it's hello, and Luke and Pete, hello at LukeandPeteShow.com. I'll just get on my vocal booth. Did a little burp, thank you. Uh, right, um, hello to um, Cameron from Washington, D.C. Hi, friends. Long-time listener, long-time emailer. No batteries around me to report on. Back in university, I did Valentine's Day grams, where people paid me to go around the school and play guitar uh, slash sing to their significant others. Not bad little hustle, is it, Cameron? Uh, by far the most popular song request was Isn't She Lovely by Stevie Wonder. I love the song, and I have no problem performing it, but I'm not sure people realised that it's actually a song about a newborn baby. Isn't she lovely? Isn't she wonderful? Isn't she precious? Less than one minute old. Now, do you fancy going to prom? Unbelievable. Uh, can't wait to see you guys in the States. Oh, we've already got the States in, under our Football Ramble, guys. Uh, thank you, uh, Cameron from Washington, D.C., for your upsetting email. If you would like to say hello, uh, it's hello at lukeandpeatshaw.com. Uh, we'll be back this coming Thursday with more Luke and Pete Shaw, but instead of the highlights of two years ago, it's going to be fresh content. Uh, this is from Nick, actually. N I C. Nick. I didn't take it. I don't think he signed off for this surname. Right, so Nicky boy. Give us, is... give us your, what you got. Yeah. He says, following the chat uh, around prosopagnosia in last week's Steady. episode, that was with Duncan Bannatyne. Remember the inability to recognise faces. Somebody tweeted uh, Duncan Bannatyne today. Did you see I that? I did see that. Yeah. Going. You see what those boys are sitting about you on the podcast? Why do people do that? Yeah. It's such so, 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 well, show offs, aren't they? Well, show us, but also I was going. What did we say about that? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the problem, isn't it? Can't remember. Problem, yeah. Hey, Bannatyne won't listen. No. He's, he's, he's worth 700 million or something. He's not going to care. He's busy pushing his commanding officer off a boat. We only said, to be fair, that he had an ice cream van, and according to his own website, he's yeah. got prosopagnosia, and he was di- uh, dishonorably discharged from the Navy, all of which is true. Okay. Bring your law firm, Bannatyne. <laughs> uh, anyway. Oh, yeah, dear. Badger's head. So, yeah. <laughs> so if, you can't, um, if you can't remember what happened last week, um, uh, prosopagnosia, St. Duncan Bannatyne apparently suffers from, according to reports, right. um, and it, it's the inability to recognise faces. Okay. So even if you know someone well, occasionally you cannot recognise who they are. Yeah. Anyway, Nick says, uh, following the chat around that, I might, I'd like to present for Mencarta another fascinating psychological phenomenon that may have passed you by. Synesthesia. Do you know synesthesia? Uh, I'm familiar with it, yeah. Okay, so for those of you who are listening, so, you don't yes, know. in short. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, and that's it. Yeah. No, but if, you, if you're listening and you don't, it's a phenomenon in humans, uh, Nick says, where one sensory pathway is joined with another sensory pathway, so when one is stimulated, the other is triggered involuntary. Um, for example, sounds are experienced as colours. He says, I studied psychology at university. I remember watching a video in a lecture about a synesthete, which is, that's the name of people mm. who suffer from it, um, who experienced words as tastes and smells. And there was a video of him going on the tube through Covent Garden Station, and he said, Covent Garden tastes strongly of sausages. 
<laughs> it sounds fake, but so apparently it's real. So Hermann's is German. Um, synesthesia is sometimes suggested as a source of genius, and certain great composers, Chopin mm. and Liszt, experienced sound as colour and would choose chord progressions based on the shades and hue of the colour they saw while playing. Um, he said, maybe old news to you, certainly old news to you, Pete, but thought mm. it was worth sharing. It was fascinating. Keep up the good word, Nick. Now, Nick listed a, included a link to a list of some other notable synesthetes in his email, um, and I thought you'd be interested, Pete, to know that the following people have apparently uh, suffered from synesthesia. Mm. Tori Amos. Oh! Remember her? Conflict girl. Never was a conflict girl. Uh, she has red hair, or, yeah. as I call it, sausage hair. Tell you what I'll do. I'll um, taste strongly of sausage. Straight I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll list these people who've got synesthesia, and right. you can give me an alternative fact, a different fact, not an alternative fact, an actual fact about them. About okay? them. Okay, right, okay. Yeah. So we're starting off. Tori Amos, she said red hair, that's fine. Yes, red hair. Next up, um, Michael Jackson. I think Careful. he used... He had one uh, silvery glove. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Next up, this is a tough one. Duke Ellington, famous pianist. Uh, he... Uh, I have no facts about Duke Ellington. Okay. Uh, Richard Feynman. I don't even know who Richard Feynman fantastic is. Fantastic physicist. Right. Apparently... What a, what a fantastic physicist. Apparently he used to see equations in colours. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> he did, apparently. That is confusing. Yeah. Marilyn Monroe. Uh, she had a dress that would occasionally rise above her knee. There you go. Uh, Vincent van Gogh. Don't do the obvious one. Cut off his colourful ear. <laughs> he actually used to see ears as colours. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, like, oh, my ears are black. And two easy ones to finish, two right. more notable synesthetes to finish off. Kanye West. <laughs> just, just invariably quite mad. Yeah, and uh, Hans Zimmer. Oh, I have interviewed him. Okay. And the microphone didn't work. Oh, dear. And I didn't tell anyone. He's still waiting for that to come out. <laughs> We've all been there. He did the music for um, Dunkirk, didn't he? He did, yeah. It's a very good soundtrack, actually. He very did, claustrophobic. And also, I noticed that... Uh, what's that famous one he did for... Oh, not True Blood, what am I talking about? The True Romance. Yeah. That oh, did ding, he do ding, that? Ding, 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 that oh, kind of, uh, that kind of xylophone kind of thing. It. It's got used in so many things. Um, such a copy of another piece. But such I, a big copy. Before we move on, and, and maybe even... What a guy, though. ...leave our listeners alone, um, I would say Dunkirk, to, to finish off with Dunkirk, to bookend the show, if you will, because mm. um, Hans Zimmer's come up here. Yes. I would say it's the first film I've seen where the soundtrack is probably more important than the dialogue. Okay, yeah, everyone's talking about how amazing it is. It's very claustrophobic and mm. very sort of, um, affecting. I really want to watch it. I want to watch it in 70, uh, is it 70 millimetres? Don't talk to me about that, mate. 70 millimetres. I watched it with, again, Tommy, you come up earlier on the show. Right. He works in the, that sort of business. He was talking about 35 mil and 70 mil and all sorts. And I was like, look, you know, look shut your round, mate. I want to get it. You want to see a man's head come off? Just let me watch it. Yeah. I've heard it's got loads of bloody explosions in it. I've heard it's got blo uh, blo uh, bloody that bandar light in it. Mm. Yeah. All right, then. Well, let's get out of here. If you want to get involved and do our job for us, because to be quite frank, it's you've merely been in the heavy lifting. The but show's again better. We've enjoyed <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, it's uh, hello at lukeandpetershow.com. Yeah, and, and do post us a review of our show if you like it on iTunes. I did notice a review. I don't tend to read below the line, as they say very often, because um, <laughs> right. it's, it's depressing. Um, <laughs> but we love all the reviews you'll get. Apart from one guy who said, um, the show's rubbish or something, and if you want proof, look at the shows. They're just getting shorter. They're getting shorter and shorter. What, is that? what does that mean? Don't I don't know. I'll take out with him, mate. It wasn't like last week's, like an hour or something. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? 
United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. Has this man got a YouTube channel of eating old food? Well, you've spoiled the surprise, but yes. <laughs> a man listen. from America on YouTube who specialises in eating really, really old food. Anyone who's ever known you in any capacity would have had to guess that piece. Right? It's, it's an inhuman. I love this guy. So he's, what sort of stuff has he eaten? Well, he's part of an online community who's, who swap old, what they call MREs, military ready-to-eat rations. Right. So he basically locates, finds, uh, borrows, buys old rations from back in the day. Uh, they're obviously food that's not that aren't designed for, like, gourmet taste. They're designed to just pack as many calories into uh, a small amount of space. And presumably they're designed to last a long time as well. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, like, the, some of the rarest stuff he's eaten is, is uh, Italian army rations from back in the day that uh, contained little liquor, miniatures and stuff. Um, and because these, like, rations are raising quite a bit of money on the grey market, there's actually criminal investigation units inside the army set up to find out who's selling right. these rations off the back of a lorry to people. But it's, so it's not only just old stuff, he also eats the modern ration from, like, the Israel Early army or uh, the, the, the Russian army. Just to see the difference is what you get in each I pack can, and stuff. I can perfectly picture what this man looks like. How, what does he look like? Describe I, him. Because I'll, I'll show you a video of him. Quite nerdy, quite yeah. nerdy looking. No, so, he, you know, he's quite handsome, quite uh, healthy looking. Quite wears, one, wears one of those caps with like a American uh, warship on the front, USS Freedom or whatever. He might have been wearing a wife beater with an American flag on. Yeah, there but we he's, go. he's my hero. Okay, he's such right. a dude. Okay, right. Uh, as I said, he's very tanned. It might be hepatitis. I don't know. It might be <laughs> salmonella. It might yeah. be something else. But he, uh, he, Steve makes the big point of uh, saying that he doesn't have health insurance. Right. And he's eating all this old oh, food from back in the day. Boasting. There was. I, I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I saw on the hundredth anniversary. Of, um, of a battle in the First World War, I'm pretty sure I saw a, um, a, a sort of ration tin, boot yeah. tin being eaten or something, and, and the guy was like, yeah, it's not, it's not that good. <laughs> this isn't delicious. I think it was just corned beef and biscuits or something. Well, I think, yeah, it's, I mean, that is, it's usually like really fatty meat and usually a lot of uh, kind of saltine kind of biscuits. Yeah, saltines, exactly, to give you, give you what you need. Give but, you what you but need. I, I mean, on that note, I, mean, I said earlier, I'm, I'm quite sort of a laissez-faire when it comes to worrying about fr- fruit being out of date particularly, but I would say overall you are a much more adventurous eater than I am. Yeah, you, but you, I, you, I won't eat anything that's gone off, though. Like, I'm, I'm pretty diligent about sell-by dates and use-by no, dates you, and stuff. You almost, you, it's almost perverse how often you want to eat weird food. I mean, I've been, I've been with you before when we've been 
uh, I don't know, on a Sunday morning or, or whatever, before a football match, and, you, and I've seen you pile into a full steak tartare with a raw egg before football, for yeah. example, which which to most people listening to this, if not all, will, will think that is ridiculous. I'll level with you. It's, it's, it's not the ideal. No. It's not isotonic. I was having a Lucas I sport and a banana, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it to a full joint of raw meat. Just very heavy. It was yeah. a big portion. It was too heavy. Uh, I remember last time I played football, the second last time I played football, I ate a full creme brulee just before I started. See I what thought, I mean? I thought, I'll give myself an hour. Is this Turns a out you channel? need longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, just peep me playing football, <laughs> vomiting off some mystery oh, food. Oh, you can't book me for that, Ref. I've just had a creme brulee. <laughs> uh, speaking of fruit, by the way... I just made this red card and a yellow one. Uh, <laughs> I was reading a, uh, a reading, um, or, or just finished reading David Niven's uh, memoir. Yes, the Moons of Bloons. It's, it's a great. It's a, I mean, it's, it, I mean it's, this is not new news. I mean, it's, a, it's a classic Hollywood memoir from the golden age of Hollywood, and uh, he tells a funny story in that about fruit, where he says that he was. It's either him or his friend was were invited. This is way back in like the thirties. Him, yeah. him or his friend were invited to play um, cricket at a, local, a, a, a Duke's uh, country estate. Because they knew he played a bit of cricket, right? Mm. And it was, and it was like the, I don't know, the Duke of Gloucester or whatever, massive country retreat. So there's a bit of an event happening, a bit of a day thing, and we want you to play cricket. We heard you're good at good at cricket, mm. and we'd love to have you part of the team. And he was like, "Oh yeah, all right, fine." I don't think he really wanted to do it because um, he didn't really like the high society side of yeah. it. So he got there the night before. He got put up in this, this amazing room, and um, in the morning he was quite nervous. And he looked out the window, and there's a massive throng of people on the grounds and stuff. Um, and uh, he's oh god! So he, he walked downstairs and just had, treated himself to a little walk around the grounds, mm. just delayed the inevitable basically. And as he was walking through the little orchard, he came into a little greenhouse, walked through, and saw these different fruit trees and everything. And he saw a, um, a, a single peach hanging on a tree. He thought, oh, do you know what? I'll have that. I ain't going to miss that. No, this is biblical. Grabbed the, grabbed the, grabbed the, <laughs> forbidden no, fruit. Wait, wait. Grabbed the peach, starts eating it, right? Turns, uh, so finishes the peach, walks around to the edge uh, of the group, and, and he says, right, okay, everyone, how are you doing? This is so-and-so. He's like, yeah, right, nice to meet you. When are we starting the cricket? And he said, well, we'll start in a minute, but the press are just on their way over there. The press pack going to be here soon. We'll do all the photos and everything, and then we'll go. And he was like, what do you mean, the press pack? I thought it was just a cricket game. He said, yeah, it is a cricket game, but it's also just <laughs> to commemorate um, the Duke's achievements. And, and he was like, oh, what do you mean? He said, well, the biggest achievement he's just had recently, he's just become uh, the first human in history to grow a full-size peach on a miniature peach tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> he said, wonderful. He, said, he just turned on his heels, went to the room, grabbed his stuff, just, <laughs> and just left. <laughs> <laughs> just picked up a cricket bat and just smashed yeah, himself yeah. in the face. So well, I was, don't know what happened, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was me, I would have definitely eaten it as well. I so. would have gone looking for laburnum, I think. <laughs> yeah. Just started munching down those seeds, yum, yum, yum. The good thing is you could probably get lost in a place that big, so you just leg it as quick as you can. <laughs> I do wonder like whether it was I guess back in the day you wouldn't have security cameras you could get you could get away with a lot more stuff oh yeah big time like any crime look around to see if anyone is around we cannot, nowadays you've got to look for like cameras and stuff we cannot use this vehicle to advocate crime I'm not advocating it, I'm just helping people plan crimes. Roll, roll back the nanny state and then commit crimes yeah plan better crimes guys <laughs> watch out for cameras uh, so this guy, he's got a quite a relaxing voice. The, the sounds of the packets getting opened. It's quite similar to those ASMR videos. Yeah, you familiar with those? Yeah, Where it's just yeah, like yeah, whispering yeah, yeah. women and, and men kind of like, like rustling papers and what, stuff like that. What's the point of that? Oh, it's kind of relaxing. Well, there's some people some particularly said, susceptible to it. Yeah, okay, some people right. are particularly susceptible. It's a little bit sexually uh, exciting for people because it's like, you know, in your ear kind of thing. But, right. uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit like that. It's quite relaxing to watch, and you sort of doors off watching him eat some pretty you, difficult um, stuff. Can you sub, sub, sort of um, submit your own um, your own sort of ration packs for him to try? Yeah, stuff? I mean, people send him stuff all the time. So, and he just puts it in his mouth, which is right. We should start doing that on this show, I think. <laughs> in many ways, 
Uh, he, he basically knows the food is okay to eat because the pack, if uh, oxygen's got to it, uh, the packs will just swell up to like twice their size. Makes so, sense. Okay. so the amount of times he's like opened a tin and there's just been like uh, it's been strawberry. You know, tin strawberries or whatever it should be black. How did you find about out about this guy in the first place? I don't know. Just on, on my travels, but he's he's quite popular. He's got he's got a hell of a following. But uh, how many subscribers are we talking? Oh, he's got loads, like absolute complete millions. Like oh, some people from the forces, some people from the forces, like emailing going, "Why are you doing this? I never wanted to see another one of these right, as okay. long as I live because obviously they had to live off them for such a long time." But like people who. Uh, like in some of the packs, is things like uh, powdered uh, lemon, so that people don't have uh, scurvy and stuff like that, because it's the only way to get vitamin C into their diet. It's that must be old-fashioned. Surely these days you get like tablets and pills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. but it seems to be uh, uh, one of his uh, best episodes was him eating a hard tack, which is like uh, it's like a biscuit, saltine sort of biscuit, but very dry, very nutritious, but they can be stored for ages. He ate one from the U.S. Civil War, eighteen sixty-three. I was about to. That's so funny. That's, like, that, that is fascinating to start with but i was about to ask my next question would be how far back would he go because um i don't know if you're familiar but down on the south coast the mary rose museum right they they the mary rose obviously henry the eighth flagship uh, sunk in the solon in in the 16th century uh, and um it was perfect almost per one half of it was perfect perfectly preserved because it sunk instantly into the silt right okay and they obviously I, mean, I think in the 1980s they raised it and they've treated it and it's now a pretty good uh well it's actually a brilliant museum um, and they've got all that stuff in there, and they've got stuff. I don't. Obviously, I, I think there'll there'll be either um, fossils of it, or there'll be um, some sort of um, variation on what it should be. But they've yeah. got like ships, biscuits, and stuff like that. You know, well, after a while, things like that soak up uh, rock and carbon, so they just become carbonated. That's carbonated, is, or just, yeah. just carbon based. There's a famous tree in the uh, Natural History Museum that I love, and I'm, I think I'm the only person who actually come goes in and just looks at that tree because everyone just walks past it. But it's a tree trunk. That uh, back in the day, obviously you got the sequoia at the top, of the uh, top of the stairs, the yeah. big massive one that's yeah. like a thousand years old. But uh, there's a tree stump that uh, got basically just filled with carbon. It soaked up so many minerals that it's just this kind of like stone tree. But it looks like a tree. But every atom of it is now being replaced by a, a different huh. kind of carbon, like a hardened diamond hard carbon. The old, fantastic. The oldest tree ever to be discovered. Um, I think I'm right in saying was cut down by um, some students or some scientists accidentally. Right. And they only realised it was the oldest tree in existence after they cut when it down. When David again. Niven turned up and went, <laughs> yeah. Where? Well, I'm here for the big tree fest. <laughs> yeah. No, when, um, when, when they counted the rings or whatever they would do for a tree of that age, and, realized, <laughs> and they were like, uh... Oh yeah, super glow. So I've got any no more nails. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so yeah. Once you've chopped a tree down, there must be a way of kind of surgically sticking it together because that's how you kind of do bonsai trees, isn't it? You kind of is that why you were kicked out of uh, <laughs> kicked out of university? <laughs> I was kicked out of Goa. Sorry for knocking that down. Kicked out of Richmond Park. <laughs> All I'm saying is there must be a way we can fix this. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that uh, bird uh, turned up yeah. in your house because I cut down his tree. Are you the owner of Fenton, the dog? <laughs> <laughs> we'll both look after Luke. We'll both look after Luke. If he feels sad about mum and dad, we'll both look after Luke. <laughs> uh, so shall we watch a bit of this guy? Yeah, okay, great. This is a near-complete piece of hardtack packed by G.H. Benton Company, Milton, Massachusetts, 
in the summer of 1863. So explain what we're uh, watching here, Luke. So the, the American chap is uh, taking a... a Use hundred- his name, Steve. Steve. <laughs> Steve. Steve, um, Steve 1989 MRE Info. <laughs> he's using... That's cool. He's taking a 160 or 155 year or whatever it is cracker out of a plastic sheath. Mm. And, um, <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely remarkable, really. Hard tack, it's called. Very faint. Um, it looks well, like a piece of clay from a quarry. Yeah. So it's like it's just mm. been quarried. It kind of tastes like... It tastes exactly the way it smells. It tastes like mothballs and um, old library books. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it... I'm not surprised. <laughs> Why is he surprised? Back anyway. <laughs> it's a thick cracker made of flour, water, and occasionally some salt. You know, and when properly stored, it'll last for years. Yeah, well, obviously, it's hundreds. Yeah, it, I mean, it looks it looks like uh, the skin of an old man who's not very well. Yeah, but rigid as heck. It looks yeah. like uh, you, you know you're eating a bit of stone. An incredible man doing some incredible things, really. Well, I, I, I mean, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> Put it's, it in your mouth. It's a man eating an old cracker. <laughs> so now, I mean, 1943 World War II British RAF emergency flying ration. Yeah. On the top it says, read instructions carefully. Yeah. <laughs> Which I quite like. <laughs> <laughs> this is a World War II British Royal Air Force emergency flying ration mark. We just said that, Steve. Steve Honestly. Yeah. You've eaten a bad cracker, mate. Steve, just eat it. <laughs> Put it in your mouth, Steve. That us do the presenting. very uncommon. I've only found one other one in all the time searching for the, this specific ration. Can I just say, if it's uncommon, you shouldn't be eating it. <laughs> it's either an antique or it isn't. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I found the other day? What? Ah, oh, 1944 ration. There's only one left in the world. Oh, can I see it? No, I ate it. I ate it. Oh, you know what I've d- dug up? I've dug up uh, the missing link between chimps and humans. <laughs> what have you done with it? Can, Fucked it in it. Can I see it? Yeah, if you want. This is the bathroom. Yeah, it's in the can. <laughs> Two years old and going on 73. So, without further ado, let's check this out. So he's opening the, what looks like a cigarette case uh, filled with very tidily <laughs> arranged old <laughs> nosh. Can I just say, you know, when you go into a restaurant and you look at the menu and you really can't decide what you want to eat? Yeah. I mean... I mean, it's got everything on it. What I like, one of the bits of advice in the lid of the can says, never drink seawater. You shouldn't be in the REF. <laughs> <laughs> we don't yeah. know that. You shouldn't be in the services, all right? I reckon Steve pirates, would fucking do it. Pirates have known that for hundreds of years. Yeah, Steve would drink. <laughs> the energy tablet should be taken only on instructions from the officer in command. Instructions to this officer are printed on the carton and repeated on the leaflet inside. Oh, the energy tablets. Little yeah. bit of Lucas Ed. Do you reckon when he goes out for dinner with his family, they're like, uh, what do you want? Can I, what can I get you? I'll have the steak, please. Um, how do you want it cooked? Um, I'll have it like medium. Okay. How old is the steak? <laughs> <laughs> have you got any 70 year aged steak? Oh, the, the best videos are when he unpacks like corned beef that's been around for 50 years. Oh, God. Foul. So I'll draw the line there. I, I think. Um, that being said, you see there's only one pack of energy tablets. This one has two. And the barley sugar and gum are missing. All that's in this. Someone's been at my ration, says Steve. All I can say is, um, I do think Steve's actually a bit more of a better bloke than I thought he'd be. He's quite softly spoken, isn't he? Yeah, quite he's actually quite nice to listen to, isn't he? Quite engaging. Yeah. Unlike us. How often you find one. <laughs> the, this man promised us 
the fact that he was going to eat loads of food. Right. But he's, he's stopped at the energy tablets. Let's get let's watch him get these down as Gregory Peck, <laughs> and then let's watch him eat some really old meat. Benzedrine sulfate. He's backing out here. You can, you he's can, stressing out that there's actual drugs in this blooming packet. I think yeah. if you got to the stage in your life where you're eating 70-year-old amphetamines, <laughs> <laughs> you probably want to just have a little bit of a re... Yeah, sort of... A recalibration yeah. of your priorities. Uh, you know, and they said that the 90s was good for ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> How good is the 40s barbs? Please <laughs> by dexedrine, dextroamphetamine sulfate. Well, he's got his tweezers in there. It is Adderall, but this is the original Adderall. The original crank. Let's try out this candy. Hmm, smells like a nice malted milk tablet with a little bit of motor oil. That never killed anybody. Uh, um... Oh, yeah. Well, it's just like a oh, a really weird waxy tootsie roll. No, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah, that's just super bitter. You are, man. It, it, it even has that. <laughs> may, may I remind here. you that this man has no health insurance? <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Pete. I'm gonna click onto the one about. Um, it looks like a massive chunk of meat from the Vietnam War. Right. Okay. So I mean, that's, I mean, that's well, the actual sort of. The picture Beef at the start of it—it it looks like a horrible. It looks like a. It looks like bully beef, doesn't it? Yeah. Like a big roll of beef that you Be- get back in the day. But this is—it's uh, quite old. How old is this one? That's from the Vietnam War, so early seventies. But right. it looks to me like you know when you get a massive thing of salami in the deli counter at a supermarket. <laughs> so it looks like it looks like that. Probably about the same age, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it said the same thing. But hang on, has he bought that from no, Asda? <laughs> put it in an old box. It's got a yellow sticker on it. <laughs> but. This thing, you know, I'm pretty sure the main course is cooked. It's it's rattling. It's dropping like bits of rust everywhere. All right, so let's check this out. First, starting off with a accessory packet. You got your cigarettes, matches, chewing gum, toilet paper, coffee, creamer, sugar, salt, and an interdental stimulator. Huh. Is that one of those sticks that you poke into your uh, gums to make them do stuff? Imagine you know your way around an incidental stimulator. I don't even floss, mate. I'm fast-forwarding to him eating the beef. (laughs) Eat the beef! And I don't think this thing's leaked. It does have bug carcasses on the side that... Whoa, look at that. It does have metal and It does have bug bug carcasses on the side. Look at this. this, um, So what he's done is he's... It's got mould all over it. Yeah, don't eat that, mate. Why I put myself through it? Well, it really has a salami or it's bologna. Like a, it's like a tall, it's like a small can of uh, cat food. Yeah, or oh, like a roll of like you know those kind of like uh, goat's cheeses you get, but like one that's been sat in the sun for about thirty years. Sure and that's how it always was. I think my life was better before I knew about this guy. <laughs> and this is what you can consti- you constantly do this to me. <laughs> He's moving yeah. the chunk of meat on an old spoon from the it. Vietnam War and close up the camera. Again, if if you ate that, I don't know what it would do necessarily. I mean, I've never eaten moldy canned meat, nor am I ever planning to. What? Sometime- then you shouldn't have to channel, mate, because because that's exactly what funny. I'm chewing in for. Right, so what's he done exactly? He's Nothing. had a bit of sugar, a bit of salt. He's just opened it all. It's poor. It's a poor that payoff. Poor, a poor sugar. <laughs> Anyway, Post show from Steve. Uh, so if you do want to check out Steve, he's uh, Steve nineteen eighty nine MRE info, and he's quite well known. I mean, the thing is, how does he get such a big following with that that username? <laughs> I think he just start with something. You don't really want to change it. I think I think he um, he should really be following through when he opens to eat to eating. He'll be following through later, man. <laughs> 
I've got uh, something, Luke, uh, called uh, Railway Madness. Okay. Which was reported in Britain back in the day. Apparently during the 1850s and 60s, there were reports of train madness. Right. Basically, men, and mainly men, going insane when trains are in motion. What? Well, they're on the train. They're on the train. Uh, there were just a spate of random attacks on fellow passengers from guys who experienced like the jarring motion of, of the trains, coupled with insanely loud noises. Obviously, it was very loud back then. Yeah. There was no kind of insulation, uh, so it, it would trigger people into ranting and raving and attacking people. So uh, basically, people would just go insane on the trains because they never experienced anything like that before. I guess this is not like um, these mythical things like f- like fan death and all that sort no. of stuff. It did actually happen. Yeah, so one Scottish aristocrat was reported to have ditched his clothes <laughs> aboard a train before leaning out the window, ranting and raving. After he left the train, he suddenly recovered his composure. He's just excited. He's just excited to be on a train, isn't he? It's a new thing back then. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's incredible, really. I mean, absolutely unspeakable. I mean, insert obvious joke about anyone who's taken the Southern Rail train... Yeah, exactly. ...in, in 2016. I, I'd be surprised if nobody uh, nobody got involved uh, recently, but uh, there were some wonderful sort of depictions. There used to be a, uh, a newspaper called the... Illustrated Police News, which would draw pictures of crimes that had taken place that month. And there's some fantastic, it's worth a Google, uh, depictions of ruffianism, as they would call it. Yeah. Ruffianism in a railway carriage. Uh, just basically just blokes in big old stuff, perhaps chinning each other. So, uh, yeah, just just well-dressed guys are fighting. You, do you, are you the sort of guy who gets excited by trains? I mean, I've been on trains with you a number of times. In my memory, you're asleep a lot of the time. <laughs> I do have... Uh, I'm quite good at sleeping uh, on, on trains and planes. I, I think in my later years, I might get into planes a bit. We went on a train journey once. Yeah, not, I, I've got a few friends who are into, tra- into yeah. planes. Now. And do you know what? With that flight radar website now, it's a fascinating thing. Yeah. You can see them everywhere. Oh, did you see that uh, advert that was on Piccadilly Circus that had a little boy sitting down playing with his toys and then he suddenly stands up and walks across, pointing at the sky, walks across the frame. Right. And he's pointing at the BA flight that's from Heathrow flying across so the sky. So it's all synced up. So it's all synced up to where that plane is in the sky and the kid's pointing at it. At it. That's and, and it basically says underneath the kid, that's the BA to, I don't know, Honolulu or whatever the hell it's Literally called. Literally advertising it to terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> Showing them Have exactly a shot. where to go, yeah. <laughs> Have a shot. Yeah, that's unbelievable. But I, I was just going to say on the train thing, the most recent time I took, took a train with you... Um, you got grumpy because we were being noisy, not in a sort of sort of bawdy way, but I guess you were just tired. And then, so you walked down a couple of carriages along and got your head down. Yeah. And then I and some, one other of us had to go on and physically grab you from the train, otherwise you would have missed a stop and you'd have gone all the way to blooming Glasgow or whatever it is. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do, kind of. So you're yeah. not a man to get excited by trains. No, <laughs> I was. I've got this wonderful. Uh, I use a suit roll quite a lot to transport my suits around, and uh, my many suits. Uh, transport my suits. Around. My, my important suits, and uh, I'll if I've got two seats. I could basically make myself an L-shaped sofa if I manipulate the suit roll in such a way that I use the suit roll as a, as a head uh, kind of cushion. I, that's the problem with me. I'm, I'm obviously 6'3 and yeah, quite large. Yeah, you can't get comfortable anyway. No, no, the amount of ridiculous advice I get from my 5'1 wife <laughs> when we go on plane, she's like, well, what I do is I just pull this up and I bring a blanket over me and it's like a little sit-up bed. It's like, yeah, you're 5'1 and 100, you know, 100 pounds. Do you remember when we uh, went on the book tour for that book we put out about football and uh, the... Uh, company who we released it with they booked us a sleeper train Oh God! From Glasgow to it never stops hurting, Luke. No. Still annoyed about it. I'm from Glasgow to London, and I basically said, "I'm going to, need to get my head down. Can you get me the sleeper train back to London?" So we both got on the sleeper train. But you uh, didn't get on the well, sleeper train. Well, th- as in they booked us tickets to the sleeper train. Except they didn't book us on the sleeper with the beds. No, they booked us on a chair 
in the sleeper trend to I, save money. Can I just say, I don't, I think it was, it might have been an honest mistake, but can I just say that, um, obviously, fast forward to what actually happened, you didn't go on the train, you, no. had, you had a massive uh, tantrum about it. A flounce, I had a flounce. Yeah, yeah and you went on the mega bus uh, but which, I, which is worse, <laughs> by the Is way. it fair to say that I'm usually all right with travelling, I just... For like, was it ten hours? I'm not having that. Well, then what I would rubbish. Well, no, what I would say it was fantastic because you didn't turn up, and obviously you would put the seat next to me, so I had two big seats to myself. Still yep. didn't get a wink of sleep. But I slept most of the way because I had a big double bed on the mega bus. Well, imagine if you were on the sleeper train carriage and the railway madness happened. <laughs> <laughs> People ranting around you trying to kill you. Luke, what I would say is that I had two muffins as well on that uh, mega bus. So they I recommend the mega bus. They give you free ones. Don't free they, bottles of water and uh, muffins. Uh, according to the Scotsman at the time, people would carry weapons on the trains back in the day, to prevent railway madness. And uh, the, the 1864 Railway Bylaws Act uh, stipulated that uh, so-called insane persons should be isolated in their own carriage. Yeah. Only fair. Only fair. That's a minimum height. <laughs> in my mind, I'm thinking of David Niven again when he's in um, Around the World in 80 Days. Have you seen that? Play, <laughs> no. Playing cards on that train going across the US and they get jumped on by a bunch of... Um, Hoodlums. A, a bunch of American Indians. Uh, Native Americans who are obviously played by actors who aren't Native Americans because it was like <laughs> the 40s. Yeah, uh, not not much excuse for the ladder from Short Circuit yeah. who's uh, actually not even Pakistani or whatever the hell he was from. Oh yeah, I remember that. They that browned was, him that up. Was, that was in the 80s Incredible. as Incredible. Well. But in that scene, in, uh, from, from memory, in that scene in, in Around the World in 80 Days, he has a bit of a set to with an American cowboy and they're about to have one of those when you go back to back and do two right. paces and shoot and as they're about to do it, um, the, Ameri- the Native Americans jump on the train and try and grab them, so... It reminds me of that. I mean, so back in those days, I mean, guns were all over the place. I know I was talking <laughs> about a completely different continent. But, uh, yeah, fascinating Well, well, well apparently, uh, some companies installed, like, the windows in carriages, right. uh, and they were called... Guess what they were called, right? After a man, Franz Muller, performed the first train-based murder. He just murdered someone in a... You know they had those little kind of uh, sort of portioned-off partitions... A portion yeah. partition, like yeah, a little yeah. kind of thing, where yeah, you have yeah. like four seats. Uh, a man, Franz Muller, killed someone uh, on a train. Guess what the uh, little windows were called? Muller windows. Muller's lights. Oh, really? Muller's lights. That's, How that's good it. is that? That's great. Really good. So that rice pudding yeah. uh, dish is uh, well. Well, that's a Muller rice. I mean, you mean a yogurt? All right, Muller light then. All right. <laughs> a light, a light milky yogurt is yeah. named after a, uh, a murderer's on, window. On, one thing I will say about the sleeper train from Glasgow to London is that. Um, in the particular cabin I was booked in, it's the only time I've been on a sleeper train. Um, if you're booked into a cabin, yeah. you get the bar, you get like a nice bar and a little mini restaurant type thing, and they serve you proper sit down meals. It looks amazing. Yeah. But if you're in the little uh, seats bit, the coach bit, I guess they call that, I don't know what it's called, but it's like you can just get a seat. Yeah. As we were just talking about. You get a tiny little bit of the bar, which doubles up on the other side of the door, on your side of the door. There's a little almost like, um, you know, like a, when you go to a non league football match and you get like a little canteen, like. Meals on Wheels type right, burger okay. van type thing, <laughs> and they and you can have all the food they have in the nice bit, but it's just a, a an F you to what you've. Yeah, but they, they give it to you in like polystyrene things, <laughs> and they give you the wine in like little plastic things, and you got, and you and you can see them through the glass, <laughs> and you can see them just you know dabbing their mouths with their napkins as they go off to bed after their nightcap, and you're just sat in this horrendous seat. Fantastic, it's the, it's the worst experience in British travel. I'm telling you. <laughs> all right, then that was a load of fun, wasn't it? Um, we'll be back on Thursday with more live show fun. Uh, 
Uh, just a quick one from uh, Dan, who's uh, emailed in. Peter's chat about sticking his corpse in a beehive made me think about the legend of the Mellified Man, which is one of those weird little corners of history that uh, might be worth a Mencarta. Mencarta was a thing we did uh, back in the day where we would find a story that we liked and uh, we would play the theme tune to Encarta, the uh, popular mid-90s uh, CD-ROM encyclopedia, and uh, we'd basically read it out. It's nothing more um, complex than that. But a Mellified Man... A mellified man or a human mummy confection was a legendary medicinal substance created by steeping a human cadaver in honey. The concoction is detailed by Chinese medical sources. Most, of it, uh, most significantly, uh, the Ben Sao Gangmu or Guangmu of uh, or Zhangmu even of the 16th century uh, Chinese medical doctor and pharmacologist Li Shizhen. Shi Zhen. Relying on a second-hand account, Lee reports a story that some elderly men in Arabia, uh, nearing the end of their lives, would submit themselves to a process of mummification in honey to create a healing confection. This process differed from a simple body donation because the aspect of self-sacrifice. The mellification process would ideally start before death. The donor would stop eating any food other than honey, going as far to bathe in the substance. Shortly, his feces and even his sweat, uh, according to uh, legend, would consist of honey. Delicious. Uh, When this diet uh, finally proved fatal, the donor's body would be placed in a stone coffin filled with honey. After a century or so, the contents would have turned into some kind of confection, reputedly capable of healing broken uh, limbs and other ailments. This confection would uh, then be sold in street markets as a hard-to-find item with a hefty price. Check out that mellified man on the Wikipedia. It's disgusting. Not for you diabetics, but it's a little bit delicious. Um... Here you go. Thanks for the show. Always a good listen. No, thank you, Dan. It's all about your dispatches. It's all about your emails. And if you would like to add something to the pile, the funeral pyre, the honey-doused funeral pyre, a delicious Chinese meal, hello at LukeandPeteShow.com. We'll be back on Thursday with a live show from Luke and Pete Show land. See you then. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.